And it's movie time, and we're back again with movie time. Hey, everyone, how you doing? Didn't think that you would see us again, huh? Well, we're back, and we're scarier than ever for season, what, seven? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it's, uh... Starting, our, uh, starting so, our nice season off. Something like, it's like seven. Now Now that I have, <clears throat> that the, uh... The media ban has been lifted off. You can see us again, huh? I can actually be on the air. Well, we're back. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) So, uh, it's like uh, we're going to be talking about tonight several of our wonderful subjects. uh, Starting off our new year. By the way, happy 2020, y'all. In case uh, you were wondering, yes, yes, as we promised, we will be back with movie time and we'll be uh, jamming and all of that. One of our first places that we're going to be jamming from is going to be Sundance. All right. So that's going to be really super cool. I've always wanted to go to Sundance. Yeah? So, Olaf, what you thinking about, uh, what's your thoughts on Sundance this year in our lineup? So, uh, from what I've seen, it's like the lineup is going to be really interesting. I have a friend of mine who um, it helps out with that. So, and that, so that's, uh, that's coming up in what about six or seven days, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, because he was, yeah, he was like talking. He said nine days till till uh, Sundance. So yeah, he's he's been talking about it a little bit, and uh, it's like the lineup looks really good so far. Should be a really good. It should be a really good film festival. You got uh, some of the ones that uh, that are going to be there are going to be really. I think going to be really interesting films. Oh yeah, and it's like what's really nice about Sundance is that unlike all the other festivals, it kind of has its own vibe going throughout the whole entire year, which is really uh, something quite different from like AFM and other uh, ones, VisionCon and things like that, where they're happening only periodically with the Sundance Institute. It continues on throughout the year with the mentoring programs. Right. So. Which, which makes it really, like say, it gives it a, it gives it a whole different, uh, numbers, uh, other than just being, oh, here, let's show a bunch of films and all that. There, like you say, there's a whole thing that goes on with that throughout the year. So it just makes it more of a, community type uh you know festival well yeah and it's really super super exciting with it and i mean like the collab have you uh, checked out the collab on there uh no i haven't had a chance to yet <clears throat> yeah some of the things that they're doing this year is they're also connecting throughout the year with the people in the industry so that it's like depending upon what kind of category are you in and that they give you things like, for example, um, little talks between the community. It's kind of they're giving like live podcasts of events and stuff. So it's like, it's also quite interesting and different. I signed up for the collab because I was like, okay, I'm kind of curious of who mentors in these collabs and stuff. And it's actually quite interesting to see that it's, Kind of everybody gets together on a sharing platform, which mm-hmm. is been, uh, which is actually starting to become the theme of 2020, collaboration and sharing in the industry. It's like, uh, you know, it's no longer just uh, your simple going through and, you know, you're doing yours, I'm doing mine, everything. Um, for example, they've had Todd Luizzo talking on acting and directing 
events. Mm -hmm. They're going to have like comedy writing. So if you're a writer, you get some writing events as well as also uh, some stuff on WIP and things. So there's some sound events, disruptors and talking about that, which is bringing us to a very interesting thing this year. A lot more streaming platforms. (laughs) Well, imagine, imagine that more streaming. (laughs) I know. Shocker. (gasps) You didn't know Uh, that one was coming. Yeah. Never didn't see that coming, you know, a mile that there was going to be more streaming uh, platforms. Uh, It's like, let's see. Um, Since everybody and their uncle is jumping on the uh, streaming bandwagon. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, what's kind of interesting is also they have, you know, about that with the different platforms, like Disney Plus is starting to hit their kick on 2020. It's going to start impacting a lot of the streaming companies with more choices for streaming. And they're starting to realize that it's like new indie content is going to have to start coming out. So Sundance is really going to be a huge launcher. Right. Well, with with the advances or with, you know, more streaming coming out, and you, like you said, with the, in other words, the indie, indie film, indie film, I think it's going to make it easier and quicker for, like, say, okay, you know, you make a movie or, like, Kente, when he's making one of his movies, I think it's going to be, make it a lot easier for you get, for, you know, to be able to get it to, you know, the masses. Because now you can pop it up on some streaming. Um, somebody eventually, somebody's going to come up with a streaming platform that is like, say, an indie streaming platform. So that you got an indie film, uh, there would be some criteria that it might have to fit. Uh, and if it fits that, you can pop, move, make your movie and pop it up on there. And then it would wind up being one of those things, kind of like Disney uh, uh, and some of the other ones where it's, you know, six or eight dollars a month and you get to stream all these movies so well, somebody's going to do that i i gotta i kind of feel like somebody will do a you know a, a, like an indie type streaming thing so that you can you know people can become members of it because you know cable companies are kind of as far as in 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 my opinion cable companies are starting to get you know lose some of their uh they're losing the you know the uh, hbo's and showtimes and all that stuff because now for so many dollars so much a month you can uh have a subscription to hbo or to showtime or to any of the you know the bigger uh you know bigger cable networks and you don't have to have you know you don't have to pay the cable company you know 200 a month channels you can go in and, and buy the, you know, buy them out individually and might cost you, you know, 60 or I mean, $80 a month, but you can have Disney and stars and Showtime and HBO and all them. So I got a feeling that eventually it, it may not be, you know, I don't know how soon it would be, but somebody's going to put together a indie streaming, um, indie streaming or, you know, channel. What do you think? 
Oh, most definitely. It's going to happen because it's like um, we're, we're coming in on that. And even Sundance has said that they're going to, like we do have the Sundance channel in terms of that. So it's like, I mean, that we are going to be getting a lot of indie channels at IFC. It's like, a, the problem has been with a lot of these channels. Are they truly indie? No. Or are they pumping the same commercial thing just through their channeling streams? Yeah, I feel like And the, Go on. No, I was just saying, uh, there a lot of them are not truly indie. Um, but here's my thing is, Okay, we have all these streaming sites, right? Like the the uh, uh, Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazon, and they're mm-hmm. just they're just putting money into the game, right? They're just putting all this money into the game, right? Right. And people are getting work, and people are making money. You know, you got some of our favorite directors are getting paid quite a bit, uh, money that wasn't there nowhere else, right? but this bubble got a burst right i mean this can't stay like netflix is not going to continue uh chilling out money like this forever right at some point it's gonna have to it's gonna fall apart so what happens then what you know um do do they just ride this thing until you know um they they no longer can i mean because it just seems like you know uh you know it's a boom right now but it's going to well, bust. But it's funny you should mention that because at the last AFM, they made mention of the fact that it's like places like Netflix and all of that are starting to pay less money for product uh, than they did in the previous years. Right. But what this will start doing is it will start also making it a little bit more diversification within the industry because there's going to start becoming more specialty channels towards the type of in, the things that people like to see. Like there might become a documentary streaming channel for people who like purely documentaries. It's right. like, a, or an in, you know, or as Olaf had mentioned, you know, extreme, you know, like a extreme indie channel where it's like, it's completely indie in regards to that. And we had talked about a little while back of the known and unknowns in regards to that, uh, this industry, a lot of people don't realize that it's like the bubble is slowly bursting, but it's bursting in a positive way because then these channels are realizing they're going to start having challenges. So what they're going to have to start doing is rising to the top of those challenges by actually getting content that people will keep them wanting to go to their 999 uh, Hulu channel or Twelve ninety nine Netflix channel or whatever the price may be, hmm. but it works to actually everybody's advantage because then the more product that needs to be there, the more exciting that it is. Do you, right. Do you see the question on on uh, the screen? Uh... Yes. Oh, okay. Hi, Patricia. By the way, and uh, you're asking, can indie filmmakers join and create a Roku app channel? And monetize? Absolutely, they they can. It's like Apple content is starting to become super, super popular in terms of that. And how many people want to pay to listen to a streaming service now? You'd actually be surprised in regards to how many people would want to pay for streaming services. Because as much as they're paying less, their membership is also actually increasing over box office. Because as people are moving towards more gaming type atmosphere... They find that streaming and gaming go hand in hand with one another. Right. 
Yep, I would, I would so, agree with that. Streaming and gaming going together, yeah. Yeah, which is also going to start becoming the next wave of interactive things where Apple is coming ahead of the game on that, actually. So, yeah, Sundance is going, I'm sure, going to highlight a lot of this, too, because I was just looking at some of the courses that they're even highlighting online over the year. Um, screenwriting, directing, preparing for your first features, TV, um, documentary creations, TV creations, writing TV, things like that, creating nonfiction uh, works, um, screenwriting, uh, write, uh, things like writing your first act, documentary, filmmaking, crafting your story from uh, post. These are also starting to become hugely popular to people, which you wouldn't think that documentaries would become as popular as they are, but they really are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> documentaries, I mean, because, you know, um, documentaries, if told right, you know, can be so much entertaining and it doesn't cost as much, right? As doing, uh, you know, just doing a feature film about it. So I can see why documentaries are all the rage because they can be produced pretty fast on a small budget. Right. And now, well, if you'd agree with the, the it's like the, in terms of documentaries, that there are like a broader scope of templates that you can use in terms of that as well as also... Um, one of the things that is appealing to a lot of people with the documentary is they're not censored in the way that a film is censored. Right. Right. You you have more freedom. It's like you, you have a little more freedom with a documentary because you're telling a story of what something that actually happened. So you have a little bit, you have a little bit of a, a you know, that, like you say, a little, little leeway in the censoring because, well, it has to be this way because that's how it happened. So... Yeah, you it definitely uh, the, the, with the documentaries you have a little more leeway when you're when you're if you're going to do that. What's finding it really interesting is also with uh, things like Sundance, other channel, uh, other events, and stuff like that. They're actually starting to open up funding to, for documentaries as well. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it was before, where it's kind of the you know two people in the camera. Actually, a lot of documentaries are starting to be shot a lot like feature films, which is kind of interesting and a different kind of twist to it. How do you right. think that also in terms of that, that that's going to pan out to all of these new streaming channels in terms of content? Um, I would say that it's going to, you know, just again, broaden it out even farther than where it's at now. And, you know, just give you just so much more to choose from. You know, if you don't want to, it's like if you'd rather watch something about, you know, like I said, with the documentaries, um, you're not going to get as much, you won't get near as much of the blood and guts and all that other stuff, uh, you know, depending on what you're doing a documentary of. Uh, I just think it'd be, it just gives a, a, a broader range of, you know, content that you can get a hold of and that you can do. And like the green, you know, it's it's a lot e it's a lot cheaper, a lot less expensive to do a documentary than it is to do a feature film, and you you, you don't have to worry about trying to write it or whatever because it's already it's already been written. Mm -hmm. So you just follow along, follow along 
timeline as long as you do a good job of you know doing your uh doing laying out the uh the events you know you're you're good to go you're also not restricted by your boundaries and timelines like you are with the other things because with the documentary you can do it in several different parts where a movie has to be encapsulated within a certain time period for the interest of the audience right for a tv series it's like, a, and so I'm finding some interesting uh, stuff that's going on there. Another thing that's also starting to change with our world that the Sundance is also dealing with is a lot of times they've been accused in the past of what is new, uh, now indie is not really actually indie. Okay. And it's uh, so... I'm noticing this year that they're actually really diversifying. Okay. I'm going to play my devil's advocate. Like, what do you mean it's indie, but it's not indie? For those of us who don't know, uh, can you elaborate on that? Yes. It's like a a lot of of things that have now been defined as indie is basically under a certain amount of budget. And they call it indie filming, and they are uh, they're still collaborated by studios and having studio representations. You're still having the same popular actors that you had in your past, but you are not having the same sort of thing as a tentpole feature. Indie films are considered to be things that are under one million in terms of budget to be considered to be an indie or low budget film. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are still having famous names in them. We're not still yet back to independent names, but it's kind of interesting where we're starting to open that up in a horror genre. So I'm wondering how long it's going to take us to, or how long do you think it's going to actually take us to move to different streams of going, okay, we're tired of seeing the same star over and over and over again in 25 different movies. Uh, well, I'm not, I think, I don't know. I, I would hate to say, oh, in the next five years, you, that might happen, but you know, it really depends on the actors that are in the movies because there are some actors that, you know, people there, you know, a lot of people, uh, can't get enough of because they're such a fantastic actor. So I, I think it really in, 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 to answer that question is I, I wouldn't want to put a time frame saying that it's in two years or five years or 10 years that it would be an issue uh, because, again, it depends on the actors, you know, like the you see the same one, you see the same one in, you know, 10 different movies, but if they're a really good actor, you know, they can, you know, they're, they're, uh, their work speaks for themselves. You know, it, it's like everybody wants to see more of that particular actor. So, so I think I think that would be uh, more more of an accurate, uh, uh, you know, can't think more of an accurate uh, positioning of it. Uh, just to say, it depends on the actors that are in the film. It, it really does. It's like, I find that also, though, there are certain actors who it's like, okay, you know, we've seen them for a while, and 
you know, their performances are amazing. I'm not giving anything of a, a give up to the, any of the actors, but some of the people have to realize that, you know, there's just also quite a bit that, um, for the up and coming that is coming out. And right. one of the ways are actually through documentaries, <laughs> ironically enough that you can get discovered towards your feature. Right. And the other thing, it's like the, to go along with that too, it really depends on, uh, you know, like new actors or you know, up and coming actors or you know, seasoned seasoned actors. It really depends on the type of documentaries that they are in or the type of movies that they are in, because you know they may be, you know, just fantastic in, but uh, a documentary. It's like if they were doing documentaries. And, you know, they did a lot of uh, Old West uh, documentaries. They may be fantastic in those and just awesome to watch. You mm-hmm. put, them in, put them in a documentary that's about uh, the, the Civil War or something like that, and they may be, they may stink. You don't know. Uh, it, uh, you know, it, they may not fit well into that. So it really, you really got to watch. Uh, so you have to see how they would do. Uh, if you know how what their range of acting consists of, so you might have somebody who's uh, a new, let's say, new and up and coming actor that would do really well in uh, you know medieval stuff, but uh, you know something in the '60s, you know '70s, '60s or '70s, maybe that actor wouldn't be the right one. You know, might be able to play the part, but not be convincing. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Very true. And this is why it's like also it's going to be quite interesting to see um, what's going on uh, there right now. And another thing that's really quite interesting for all of those who are like interested into finding out a little bit more also about Sundance as well. Um, there is also things like master classes, for example. One of the master classes that they have is legal toolkits from uh, protecting your IP through negotiating distribution. It's like we had a lot of chit chat about that in, to- uh, in terms of that and also social activism through storytelling. We're starting to see also, what do you think of also this trend of also now becoming more interactive with film? Because in 2020, um, the audiences are no longer doing that it's like it's why shows like black mirror were super popular you can interact yeah. with the story change the story at will what do you think about this new trend of coming forward with like more interactive shows interactive documentary things like that um i guess like it's i would say that it's uh you know my opinion it's a it's a good thing because uh, rather than just sitting sitting and watching something, you know, if there's some, if there's the, if you have interaction that you can change the storyline a little bit or have, you know, that you can interact with the documentary, that it, it it brings you into it more, it interests you more, and you you want to see more things like that. Uh, so I think it's a good. I think interaction in a movie is, is a good thing when it's possible. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, now hey, also, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like, I'm just like everybody else. I like to throw tomatoes at the screen every once in a while and 
you know, hey, that's that's a good interaction to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't we want to throw? Uh, sometimes it's like sometimes I'm uh, I'm really sitting there going like, yeah, I really just like to throw something at that screen if it means that I'm actually going to get a decent product coming out of it. There you go. There you go. And it's like, uh, and, and you know, you throw a tomato at the screen and it and it hits. And then yeah, uh, in the in the movie, the actor gets hit with a tomato. So hey, you know that's interaction for you. Yeah. Oh, you don't and you don't mean that you don't mean that kind of interaction though, do you? Well, kind of, sort of. <laughs> it's like if we could if we could four D the tomato. <laughs> How about that? Well, yeah, there you go. Well, but anyway, goes it's like no being able to actually you know because of the way. The you know media and everything is going. Uh, having you know uh, like a question pop up on the screen or something that you can have like three or four different answers and you can click on one and answer it while it, during the during the movie or during you know during the the thing is I think it just draws the audience in and makes them you know want more of that because. They're watching something that they like. They're able to, you know, interact with it. And, you know, it's, they learn something more. They're like, oh, I, it's like they said that earlier. Oh, that's this. So. Definitely. It's engaging them yeah. and engaging your audience. Right. So I threw it out also to our listeners as well. It's like, how much do you want to be engaged into your film? Do you want to be full immersion? Or would you want only partial immersion? Or do you want control of the story? So this will be an interesting one to see the answers to. Because it's one of the things of how immersed do you want to be? Do you want to be partially, fully, or be able to control the actual story? Right. And, you know, I mean, do you think they would be, when they go to that kind of interaction, do you think they would actually, uh, I mean, maybe like in the beginning, do you want to, you know, change the story? Do you want to do this? Give it options in the beginning to be able to interact with the, with it how you want to. Do you think they would do that? Yeah. Be out. Okay. This one here, you can, you know, interact a little bit with it. This one here, you could change the story a little bit. Uh, you can change which direction the story goes, or how do you? Yeah, it's like, what do you think uh, on uh, on that in that aspect of things? How they would do it? Well, and this is where it's coming into two different streams of mindset. Um, they can be using the virtual world environment to be able to do that by having this immersive experience, mm-hmm. which is what they've been trying to do with VR. And bringing right. it into the film world. Another right. way of uh, doing it as well is that also doing it the way that they did it old school with Clue, where it's like you could choose your ending of which one you wanted to see in terms right. of that, you know, A, B, C, or like Black Mirror, where it's like you go, okay, I don't want to see this. Like, here's your question. Let's flip mm-hmm. through that. But what's going to wind up happening for the filmmaker? is then you're going to have to have multiple streams of ways to end a film, multiple streams of ways to welcome back Kante and to be able to actually interact with the project. 
Right. So then there's also the idea of being able to do it with the way that they wanted to do it with VRML Dream. Do you get to be the director of that project and steer your actors? Do you get to be one of the characters that become a pivotal role in the in there and therefore manipulating the actors mm-hmm. from a right. virtual lens of an eye? It's how do we want to do it? There's all these technologies that are coming up. Right. And she was saying, uh, Patricia's saying that she subscribes to three uh, channel, documentary channels on Roku. Very cool. And uh, if they're always so cheap to produce, actually, you see documentaries that encompass dozens of years of filming. Well, yeah, it's like they are uh, they are a less expensive way than doing that. But also, it's uh, what his documentaries have done is forced the price of bringing down for feature films the price of being able to do it because now they're expecting a feature to be able to be the same price as a documentary. Their documentaries can go anywhere from 250,000 and up. There are also documentaries that can go five and $10,000. Um, not uh, when we're saying that they are cheaper to produce is because you have a smaller crew in terms of the subject. Yes, they do take years but also at the same time with documentaries as well, you also have a more encapsulating thing. It's more one-on-one. There's not a lot of group interaction in that. There's not a lot of setups. The camera angles are more independently free-flowing with it. You don't have the subtext of having to worry about the take over and over and over again because with documentaries is right off the cuff a lot of times in a single take versus multiple right. takes. So it does become cheaper. Well, and, right. And depending on what you're doing, you don't have to build a bunch of sets and everything because you're going to where it ha- happened at and using what's yes. already there. So yeah, it saves you, it saves you money in a lot of ways and it is you just have to research and find the right building or the right street or something so yeah it can it's like saves you money that way too and also it saves you from having to have a lot of studios as well and studio yeah. time except for in post-production so pretty much where all your costs are happening in your post-production house right so it's kind of a little bit of an exciting avenue towards that and even in filming we're starting to get to natural locations as well in that sense but also as well i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that are happening and happening with the industry also in terms of as we have all seen the big elephant in the room we'll talk about it now is the weinstein situation of what's happening Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Olaf. <laughs> we know it's big and it's pink. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, really walking in with a walker uh, into the courthouse, seriously? Yep. yep. I'm sorry, why didn't he just have a neck brace and a wheelchair? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
go go ahead and kick it, kick off the elephant. Go ahead and kick the elephant there. I'll let you kick kick it off there. Okay. Well, kicking off the elephant there, it comes down to what we had spoken about before in the movie time a little bit, dealing with the situation. It's like it's not only dealing with the me too's. It's dealing with the fact that it's like people have now cracked wise to this it's like where we had one year ago a very strong dealing with the me too movement we're now starting to deal with the fact of also there's a little bit of pushback in it in a different manner the manner that i would probably say is first of all we all know that yes weinstein did it it's just a matter of does it do that but mind you with our current state of things that are going on it seems it doesn't really matter whether you did it or didn't do it, it you, your chances of being convicted for it is pretty much a slap on the wrist and go no don't do that again right yeah don't but, do it anymore yeah don't do it anymore <laughs> you did it once and next time if you're going to use the walker please use it to it, to shove over the person before you start stripping yourself right you know so there's that, but also it brings forward our rules that we had talked about before. Ladies and gentlemen of film, if you are going to be dealing with producers, you're going to be dealing with directors, you're going to be dealing on auditions, no, do not go upstairs to their, to their hotel room. Shocker, chances are that's not the audition that they want. You're going to be They're asking that kind of part. Yeah, you'll be auditioning, but it won't be for the part for the movie you're trying to audition for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One thing. Second, if they're saying, well, that's the only way that you're going to get the role. Well, yeah, but not that role that you're uh, you're after either. Right. And there is no meeting that is worth putting up your safety barriers. In this day and age with human trafficking and so many other things that are going on and also with accusations, literally you make yourself a human target by going into private places with people. And whether you are an actor, whether you are a model, whether you are a screenwriter, you know what? It's like there is the reason why there are professional places like the AFM, like Sundance, places like that. And even if you are taking meetings with people, there is no meeting that you need to go into a private place for. Speak privately, absolutely. Go into a private place for, absolutely not. Right, because you can always eat there. There is always a way to find, uh, you know, a place that you can meet that's private that gives you some gives you privacy, but is in, you know, in public. You know, uh, it's like some, you know, like a meeting room in a uh, at a restaurant or something if they have one, or I mean, the, a back table or something. There's always there's always a way to have a meeting somewhere about something like that. Private in private, it's like privately in public. Correct. It's like what's wrong with the corner booth in the back that to be able to speak about the subject. It's like if you're already talking about NDNCs or any auditions, in terms of auditions, most auditions, they don't take place in a hotel room. Let's just put it to you that way. Most of them, they usually take place in a casting office with several people in the room. 
Another thing is, is if they're insisting on a one-on-one meeting, um, I would insist on a one-on-two meeting. Bring somebody with you to your meeting. Right. Tell them that you can go on. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, always you bring somebody with you. Even, you know, they go in the room, they sit over in the corner, don't say, they don't say nothing. Or, uh, you know, if you're auditioning, they don't go, yay, great job. They just go in, they sit down, and they're just there. That's your safety buffer right there. Correct. It's like in a lot of times what you can also do to protect yourself as well, record the meeting that you're in there with when you're with this person, because then they can hold the camera and say, look, you know, I'm just making sure that everything is kosher during this meeting. If I am meeting you in your hotel room, which really you should not, you know, it's like, and also having an eyewitness there as well, make sure that there is no misunderstandings or any misappropriations of words or anything like that. Right. Okay. Devil's advocate. In other words, in, devil's advocate in, in, in a meeting like that, first, those of us who don't know, um, you, let's say you do do, it's like you do go to a meeting like that and you're going to record it. Uh, it's like, doesn't that kind of, if you're auditioning for a part in a, in a movie, uh, you record that, doesn't that kind of infringe a little bit on like copyrights or anything? Because if you're auditioning for a part and you're recording it, uh, now, if they're recording it, that's one thing. But in other words, if you're recording it, doesn't that kind of stay on the edge a little bit? They record the. Uh, they actually record most auditions if it's in a reputable one because they're going to want to play it back for the ultimate people to be able to decide in regards right. to it. Because if a director has a choice or a producer has a choice, sometimes they'll want to look at performances over and over again before they have made a final decision. In right. regards to that, if they're going to do for callbacks, the things you're going to be recording, if uh, being wise about it, is what you're recording is we are here in this place at this time. You have said that this is an audition in regards to it. You don't necessarily have to record the physical audition itself uh-huh. in that, but everything that goes on before and after that audition. Okay. But any discussions that have been talked about of the role or of the part. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not being used for public use. This is being used in, so that there is no misunderstandings that this is an actual audition and the audition is not for you to take off your clothes. Right. There's also rules in an audition, for example, um, unless you have signed that you are okay consenting to any sort of nudity, you don't need to take off any clothes. You don't need to turn around and show your body to someone on camera. It's like, you don't need to show, you know, any undergarments or anything as well, unless you have consented to any of this. And I wished I would have known that on that last two auditions I went to, it's like, darn it. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have had to, uh, you know, remove anything. Yep, you, you wouldn't have had to strip those briefs. <laughs> but it, it, as funny as that is, also guys have it too. It's like, sorry, but they do. <laughs> to, uh, to greater or lesser degrees, they do. Right. 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're, they're, uh, you, know, you know me, it's kind of like going, going to the audition and like, okay, we need, it's like, shirt's got to come off and everything. I was like, what? Okay. And I'm like, yeah, there we go. And nope, you're not it. Out. And it's like, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, honestly, it's like, uh, they wouldn't want to see what's underneath this. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's like, I, I guess, I guess I shouldn't have let him take all those pictures either. Darn it. Oh, well. I know. <laughs> Bottom line is, <laughs> when you are doing this, it's like you want to make sure that it's uh, it's quite clear what you are auditioning for, what it is. And, again, one of the things that also is not unusual to, is to have your agent, a representative, be with you as well during right. that meeting. Yeah. And anybody, it's like, it's like if you're going to audition for somebody and your like your agent or somebody from your agent's office goes with you, whoever you're auditioning for shouldn't be like, oh, well, this is a closed audition. You can't be in here. Well, then, sorry. Maybe a great part, but unless my representative comes in with me, you know, I'm not doing it. Correct. And that's for my, for both of our protections. Right. It's like, so basic etiquette, it's like, then it comes down to the, and as I said, I'm not going to diminish what happened. It's the, if you do choose to go that route, you have to understand it's like, um, what is being perceived on the opposite side. Right. On a uh, a devil's advocate side that it's like, um, you pretty much knew what you were getting into by reputation and by factor of what of going in there. Right. It doesn't mean you deserved what you got. But what it means is you have to be very careful when, when going into an auditioning situation. And we're not only talking about Weinstein, we're talking in general. Be very aware, be very wise. Be streetwise. Be aware going of in. your surroundings. And yeah, just, yeah, just just be very aware of your surroundings and what you're what you're doing, just to protect protect yourself. Yes. Another thing that also a lot of news has gone on. It's like a lot of these accusers, people have actually committed suicide or what they consider committing suicide. It's like Kevin Spacey's accuser committed suicide. Huh. It's one of those things of why must we go th- to that distance if you're just going to keep yourself safe? Right. And it's like, you know, and as I said, it does not diminish what happened to any one of them and the believability or not believability, but it's a word to the wise of think properly. Think right. about what you're doing before you go to an audition, it doesn't matter how famous the person is. You really have to think about it and go, okay, this is my professional reputation. Another thing that uh, that also you have to realize is that now um, your social media profile is shown a lot there in this industry. How do you think also our new social, uh, our, we're now starting to really become as we build an audience through a social media for a project, we're also building a reputation through social media as well. How do you exactly. think that's impacting our industry? 
Um, well, I, I, it it can depending on your uh, what your social media presence is. I think sometimes that has an that has a, a you know an effect on whether you get a, a, whether you get asked to audition for parts because they say oh well, how many you know how many Facebook followers do you have how many do you have on you know Instagram or Twitter it's like oh you've only got a few hundred yeah well maybe we need to have somebody you know with a you know with the just like with the, instead of a few hundred a few hundred thousand followers uh so i think your uh whatever your social media presence is can affect what you get asked to do because you know nowadays that's what that's what that's how you promote everything a lot of things get more things are promoted you know over social media over facebook and what instagram snapchat twitter and all that versus uh you know traditional old it's a traditional old school uh advertising it does and also the one rule of thumb that i and i'm sure that you'd agree with this is don't put anything on your social media that you don't expect 20 years from now to be proud of still oh yeah so your in your indie work anything that you do from pictures straight on through to any of your promotions to any of the posts that you do um, 20 years from now, you better be able to stand by those because they're going to regurgitate. Right. And just, just remember any, anything you post on social media, pictures or articles or anything, even if you delete it from your pages, it's still out there. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. Somebody has copied it or it's still on something somewhere. So once you put it out to the universe, it's there. You can't take it back. Yeah, it lives indelibly. Mm -hmm. And this is and this is something that uh, it's like can work for you or against you in the industry as well, because a lot of employers are and a lot of people are now looking at your social media to slant whether they want you for a part, whether they want you to as part of their project. Because right. as your fame can uh, can boost you, your fame can kill you too. Mm-hmm. You know, something and, you did, something you did back when you were a teenager, it will haunt you later on in life. Sometimes, depending on what, you know, like I said, if you're trying to, you know, trying to get an audition for something, you know, some goofiness you did when you were, you know, like I said, a teenager, you'd be like, oh well, nowadays, well, we can't do. We can't have you uh, portray this part because when you were 18, you, you know, got drunk and drove off a bridge. Okay. <laughs> Didn't hurt anybody, but, you know, you, you did that. So we can't, we can't have you as a, as the, you know, public figure on this thing that we can't support that. So, yeah. <clears throat> So message to the wise in the film industry, uh, as well as also message to the wise of those who are dealing with social media. You want to use your social media in positive ways, but also realize whatever you put on social media, it lives indelibly, as well as also understanding the most important thing. 
be proud of the things that you post because 20 years from now when it gets regurgitated back to you when you are going to do something you better be able to stand by that uh, that picture that thing that you said and you know what go you know what i still th- feel just like that today <laughs> right yeah 20 years ago it's like it's as true it's as true today as it was 20 years ago that's need to be able to like you say whatever you post just think give it before you post it think 20 years out uh hopefully you still feel the same way or if you have changed and if you've gone if like whatever you did 20 years later you're like yeah uh, that was that was okay then but as long as you can justify a change but it has to be well you know I, uh, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I didn't, I said, I, I, I drank, uh, Pepsi, but here 20 years later, I've decided that I like Coca-Cola better. You know, you gotta, you know, make sure that it's going to play through all right. Yep. And under, and this, another thing is also justification of a lot of the things. It's like, if you can't justify it, the, it's the, well, that was just me 20 years ago. Um, right. Then chances are you really shouldn't have posted it to, to begin with. Right. No, it was just, I was just a dumb kid and, part, and posted that up there. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't fly. That doesn't fly. I was young Not and stupid. Before. That's why I did that. No. Sorry. Yeah. Now you're old and stupid for having it come back up again that you were young and stupid and posted it. <laughs> So that's why I also say that it's like, um, we're also learning through 2020 about media skewings and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting when you're looking at it through the lens of the industry that we are no longer just a society that are watchers of films. Mm-hmm. We're participators of films. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's like we are also innovators of films and changers of the medium of film and television and new media. Right. We actually are submerged in the world farther than we know. And that being, that being said, also good news. Um, vision con is also coming up again this year. So yay, we're going to be doing the vision con episode, uh, which is great. Um, for all of those who missed our last vision con episodes, in regards to that, you missed some really great cosplayers with us in the industry, and we'll be setting those up very, very soon. So, what is on our up-and-coming uh, up year coming through? Um, we're also going to talk about the fact that a lot of movies are now becoming minds for change. It's like who there are certain movies that came up in 2019 that were really interesting that if you didn't get the undertones of them, that a lot of movies are starting to reflect the social change that is starting to happen in society. Right. As well. One of the fun ones was the recreation of the Adams family. Mm. I got it. What what it was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But for a lot of people, it's like, you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we're getting to that part of the the show where we're just about done. So 
We are. Uh, We will be back, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, with more fantastic interviews. I will be doing a lot of interviews over at Sundance as well. And uh, patching in our Olaf there with us, hopefully, if he's able to make it with us. And Olaf, so how do they get you again in social media for all of us? Well, you can stalk me on both Facebook and Twitter at Olaf Barbosa. But as I always say, don't stalk too close because... I do get nervous, and I do have an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> one, one thing, it's like one little quick little thing I'm going to put out for 2020. Now, uh, you may not, you know, most of you may not think about it. When you're writing a date on any kind of thing this year, you definitely want to put 2020, not just 20. Because mm-hmm. if anybody wants to change it, if you just put 20, they can make it 2017, 18, or whatever. So make sure when you're writing your checks out or whatever, you put 2020 on there. Wow. That's my that's my bit of advice for this year. Thank you. Absolutely. And Kente, how do they get you on social media? Kente F on Twitter and Kente Ferguson on Instagram and IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org is the website. Yeah. And for me, any questions that you have or anything, please, and, or if you want to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Bizopedia, YouTube, uh, gosh, it's like, as I always say, I'm in so many places. It's like that it's like on Facebook, Twitter, and all of that, that if you can't find me, you're just not stalking me hard enough. (laughs) Including also 2020 is a location move for this girl because she's officially going to become a California girl. You know, I feel kind of bad for anyone who couldn't get up here to hit the slopes today. Uh, Maybe they should have gotten a Toyota. Why is that? Well... Not only does my Tacoma handle great in the snow, but now, when you buy or lease any new Tacoma or 4Runner, you get two passes for the 2019-2020 Mountain High Winter Season. No restrictions. Man, good call on that Toyota. Must take delivery from new car dealer stock by midnight 2320. See slash Toyota for details. Your Southern California Toyota dealers make it easy. Toyota, let's go places.